this morning. Our music has been a blessing this morning. Thank you, ladies that have played the instruments. Thank you, Brother Young. Thank you, choir. I appreciate the folks that are involved in the music uh, here at our church. We're blessed every single uh, service. Open your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 14, our text passage. And again this morning, I'll give you two titles uh, for the message this morning. The first is, Give God Something to Bless. Give God Something to Bless. Or, if you like this title better, uh, you don't get to choose the sermons, you can choose the title. Uh, the uh, other title is, When God Steps In. I like that too, don't you? When God Steps In. I'm glad when I asked Jesus to forgive me of my Savior, and I put my faith in Him, God stepped in. I'm glad that he saved my soul, giving God something uh, to bless. Now the Bible says in verse number 17, And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. Now the comparison is five loaves and two fishes compared to 5,000 men beside women and children. You figure out how many there are there. 7,000 to 40,000, I don't know. I don't know, but beside women and children, and all we have is five loaves. I said all we have, five loaves and two fishes. You know who that was prepared for? One boy. One boy was going to eat that. Jesus said, bring it to me. He gave him the five loaves and the two fishes. And all 5,000 men beside women and children. They didn't get an hors d'oeuvre. The Bible says they were filled. And other passages uses that. And not only that, there was left over. There was more at the end than there was at the beginning. And so my message today, I encourage us, let's give God something to bless. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. How I love it. How I love its power and its life. I love the... Word of God, how it's worded and what a difference it has and is making in our lives. I ask, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit as I preach your word this morning. May your will be accomplished. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Throughout the word of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, you will find single acts of faith or a single exercise of faith that ended up being a miracle. There would be a need, there would be a challenge, there would sometimes even be a physical battle or war, something that was most often against the odds where someone did what they could, what they could to either meet the need or to face the challenge or to fight the battle. In every case, they were outnumbered, they were outmanned, and they were overpowered. They were unable, and yet they did what they could. Many folks today, they look at the odds and say there's no use. We need not look at the odds, we need to look at God. They did what they could, and when they did, God stepped in and made the difference. It's interesting to note that nothing happened to meet the need to face the challenge or to fight the battle until someone did what they could. No matter how small it was, no matter how insignificant it was, by the way, 
The emphasis is not on doing the least you can. The emphasis is doing all we can. But all we can compared to what we face is typically insignificant without God. Now until the boy gave his lunch, they were hungry. Until the boy gave his lunch, they were hungry. God did nothing until somebody gave him something to bless. And I want you to think with me as I go through just a few illustrations this morning. As David stood before Goliath, and I love to read that story about David and Goliath, don't you? It seems like they still write about it and forget who won. They feel sorry for David. David came home with his head. In fact, he came home with two heads, his and Goliath's. But in the eyes of Goliath, David appeared to be but a dog, just a little old pesky dog. What can a dog do? What can a small dog do compared to a champion fighter? Well, he gave himself to God. He, take that, he took that sling and he took that stone and he did what he could and God stepped in. I want to say to you this morning, give God something to bless. You'll be amazed at what God can do if we'll give him the opportunity to work in our lives. You know the story of the group that had gathered in the synagogue and they were giving of their uh, money uh, in the uh, synagogue there. And the Lord Jesus, the way they took the offering that day, Jesus stood at the front and he watched the people as they came and put their money in. And then he announced who gave the most. Huh, that'd be an interesting uh, way to take the offering, wouldn't it? But it no doubt was a surprise to them as the one that gave the most actually gave the least, but she gave what she had. She took two mites and those two widows' mites have challenged our giving from the day since that she gave it, and God said uh, she hath given the most. Uh, she gave not the least she could. She did all she could. She didn't want to be counted out. She didn't want to be left out in the blessings of God, and she gave what was worth less than the sparrows that did fly and build their nest in the temple. She gave what was insignificant and yet God stepped in when she did. What an interesting truth. Gideon's 300 men against a host of Midianites would typically do nothing but mock the enemy would typically do nothing but stir their anger and have a massacre of 300 men. Now he started with more than that and he told those that were afraid to go home and m many of them left and then uh, another group uh, left and he just had 300. Now if I had 300 men to fight uh, against an army, I'd want them all to be quiet and I'd want them all to be uh, uh, unseen and unheard. But he gave to them a pitcher, which was a bright lamp, and he gave them a trumpet to blow, which was a loud noise. Now, it sounds to me like that's something that would get you killed, but that's what God said to do. They did what they could, and they defeated the host of the Midianites. When they gave what they had, when they did what God said, God stepped in. 
I wonder this morning if you look back over the week or back over the month and you look to see what we've given to God, how much opportunity have we given God to bless in our lives? You think of the meal in the bottom of the barrel and the oil in the bottom of the cruise. As the widow told the Baptist preacher, Elijah, she said, she said I have enough meal and I have enough oil to make one more cake, one more piece of bread, and we're going to die after that. Now, Elijah said, God said for you to make me a meal. Now, I don't understand all of that, and it bothers me just a little bit that that's the way it happened, but God knows what he's doing, and I've learned that when it bothers me for God to do what he's doing, uh, just to go ahead and bother me and let God have his will. And so Elijah, uh, he told the woman, if you'll make that meal for me, and she did. And they sat down to eat their last supper. But the next time it was time for uh, something to eat, she looked in the barrel and there was enough meal uh, for another day. It was not full, but there was enough for another day. And there was enough oil. Uh, The cruise wasn't full because she gave uh, what she had, but she was given more. And the next day and the next, and that's the way it happened. As I understand that story in the scripture, God never did fill her barrel up and run it over, but he did take care of her until the end of the famine. And according to what Jesus said about that Old Testament story in his preaching in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus said many widows died in that day. Ah, but there was one widow that lived. uh, There was one widow that survived the famine, and that's the one that gave God what she had. But she gave God what she had. There was enough meal. There was enough oil for day by day. What a wonderful thing it is that God provides for us day by day. I'm thankful for God's provision, aren't you? I'm thankful that God is so good uh, to meet our needs. Sometimes uh, we look at what seems to be a comparison, but it's unfair when we compare what we have to what others seem to have. I'd rather have just a little bit of meal in the bottom of a barrel and have God to keep putting a little bit of meal in the bottom of the barrel every day uh, than to have a barrel full without the God of heaven. She did what she could and God stepped in. I think of the rod in the hand of Moses. That rod had no power. It had had no supernatural ability. It was just a stick. It was just a rod. It was just a rod in his hand, just a a shepherd's uh, uh, rod, uh, something he would use to help uh, steady him as he would walk uh, uh, in the mountains or something he would use to uh, maybe strike at a snake or uh, to move a a brush or a limb out of the way. And, and, And God said to Moses, he said, what is that in your hand? He said, it's a rod. He said, throw it down. He threw it down and it turned into a snake. And that's where I think Moses got his speech impediment. He had said, I, I, I don't know about him. And, and I could have obeyed God up to this point because when God said, throw down your rod, I, I could have done that. But it turned to a snake and God said, pick it up. That's where I might have had trouble right there. I just said, God, you kill it first and then I'll pick it up. But as Moses reached down to pick it up, it turned into a rod again. Now, what was that rod? It was nothing. But in obedience to God, it was what was needed to show 
the power of God in his life and God being in control even in the heathen land of Egypt. And it wasn't long until Moses had become the deliverer and had led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt toward the promised land. How did all of that happen? Was it an organization of all of their money? Was it an organization and an army of all of their power and all of their strength? Oh no, it was a simple faith and trust in God. Today we look at circumstances in our nation and we feel overwhelmed. We feel overwhelmed especially when we look at our ability. We look at the freedom of, of speech being suppressed and we look at all of these things and we say, boy, we don't stand a chance. Oh, my dear friend, let's not forget God. Amen. Let's not forget that God is in control of every land, of every nation, of every language, of every tongue. God's in control. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give God what I have. And every time you give God what you have, God steps in. I think of the prayer of Hezekiah. To me, one of the most amazing prayers in all of the Bible. A lot of faith just to pray the prayer. The Assyrian army had conquered the known world. They had already conquered northern, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel and they were making their way toward the south to take uh, the land of Judah. But the Bible said the king Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, they got together and they prayed. They asked God a mighty big prayer. He said, Lord, keep the Assyrian army from destroying this land. This land is a land for your name and your testimony. You know what God did? He answered that prayer. Amen. Now God said Judah has sinned and I am going to destroy Judah for their sin. But I'm going to do it after you're gone, Hezekiah. What an amazing thing. All he did was have faith in God to pray a prayer. If God answered every prayer you prayed this week. If God answered every prayer you prayed this week. How many blessings would you have today? How much have we given God? How much have we given Him of our simple faith and our simple prayer? There are three areas of life that God desires to work in our life. And I believe in all three areas He has given to us the opportunity for blessings. Uh, you notice in our text passage here, uh, the Lord Jesus says in verse number 18, He said, bring them hither to me. A decision has to be made. It has to be made by the boy. It has to be made by those uh, that would bring those uh, five loaves and two fishes to Jesus. Uh, a decision has to be made. Am I going to hold on to it and make sure I get to eat? Or am I going to divide my lunch between me and five, seven, eight, ten thousand people? Now think about that. Look at our life today. Look at the things that we face today. Look at the challenges we face today. And they all seem overwhelming in their size and in their strength. But God said, bring that lunch to me. The exercise of faith to say, okay, Lord, uh, here it is. God ask us, give me something to bless. There are three areas that we desire for God to work in. First of all, in battle. Second of all, in blessing. Third of all, in our belief or in our faith. Let me say a word about each of these. We need God to work in our lives in battle. I'm not talking about a physical war. We're not there today, but we are in spiritual warfare. 
How many of you are with me today in spiritual warfare against the devil? How many of us are? Sure we are. We all fight the devil. There's nobody here that has not been in a fight with the devil this week. The devil works to bring a confusion. He works to bring doubt. He works to bring fear. And he's constantly working and showing us our weakness. A fellow said to me this week, he said, I, I, I just feel like a failure. I'm not much of a Christian. And I said to him, I sure am glad that God uses not much of a Christian to do a mighty work. He's not looking for somebody great to use. Use somebody great, they would get some glory and some credit. God's looking for simplicity. God's looking for simple obedience of someone to do what they can. And when it comes to this area of spiritual warfare and the devil fights and the battleground of the devil is in the mind. The greatest battlefield in all of the world is not the battlefields of World War I and II and, and the Korean Vietnam and, and the Middle East. Those are not the greatest battlefields. The greatest battlefield is right here in the mind. That's where the devil fights us. I need God to help me in my mind, don't you? I need God to help me according to Ephesians chapter 6. I need God to help me in this matter of spiritual warfare and to have a faith over fear and to have a courage and to have a confidence in God. I need to give God something to bless. How much have we read the word of God that God can use the word of God in our lives to bless us? This book right here is precious to those that read it, those that study it, those that find nuggets of strength and principle and precept to say, I'm going to put my faith right there. I'm going to trust in Him. What are we giving God to bless in the spiritual warfare that we face? Some may say, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand all of the Bible, but I understand enough of it to increase my faith in Him. You've heard me say often, old Vance Hapner used to say, I don't understand everything about electricity, but I'm not going to stand around in the dark till I do. I do know this, if you flip the switch, the light comes on. I do know this, if I read the word of God, I give God the opportunity to bless in my life. Let's give him something to bless. When you give him something to bless, that's when God steps in. What about in the matter of blessing? We hunger for the blessing of God in our lives. I do. I hunger for God working in my life and in my marriage and in my family and in our church and in our nation in this matter of blessing. What do we give God to bless us with? If God can take five loaves and two fishes and feed a multitude of people, just imagine what he can do if we would just exercise a bit of faith in him and give God something to bless in our lives. What about this matter of belief? You've heard me say it a multitude of times. I say it again. You spend four hours watching the news and 40 minutes reading the Bible. Don't be surprised when fear overcomes your faith. Give God something to bless in your life. For these near 30 years now, and it's an amazing thing to me, our church has been moving forward and growing by the grace of God. I mean, from the... From the very first week, in the very first month, in 1991, that I had the privilege to become your pastor. And I look back over 30 years, and not just to see what God has done, but to see what God is doing. Amen. I saw God working this week on behalf of our church. 
I, I, I see the blessings of God on the horizon. But as I look back, you know, in every step of faith, every time the need has been greater than what we had. We've never been able to say, this would be a great ministry. Let's start this ministry so we could uh, 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 fulfill a particular need and say, uh, we'll go to the bank tomorrow and we'll just take this money out of our savings and we'll start this. We've never done that. I'll tell you what we have done. We've given God what we have. And every time we've watched God step in, here we are this morning after all these years and we're still winning new families to Christ. We're still winning new people to Christ. We're still seeing our church grow. I was talking to some of the men this morning about uh, uh, some of the young men that have been in our church that are today uh, pastoring a church and have a church that's going and growing and the opportunity we had to invest in their life. And yet our building is full today. After all of those people, after all of those men have gone out to do a work for God, God continues to bless. And he hasn't blessed because we're wealthy people. He hasn't blessed because somebody says, well, I'll pay all that. Uh, We've been blessed because we've given God what we can and God stepped in. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've stood at this little church over here and I thank God for every penny and nickel and quarter and dime and I really thanked him for that $100 bill that was in there. You know what God sees? He sees children that says, I want to invest in my church. I want to invest in my school. You say, that's not enough to pay. Hey, friend, it's not what I have. It's what I do. And God blesses with what he has. I mean, I could tell you stories and I, and I review these often because I want to be reminded of what God has done in the past for what he can do in the future. When we, when we purchased the college property and, and the price of that was some five plus million dollars, we had $50,000 in the bank. That's all. I offered the man a million dollars for the property. That was big to me. He laughed. He said, you can't buy that for a million dollars. He said, it's five million dollars. I said, well, take my number down. He said, I won't need your number. I said, oh, yes, you will. Write it down. (laughs) And the day came that, that God moved. He didn't move just in some random act. He blessed the work. He blessed the giving of God's people. We're fighting once again. I went back and looked over the notes that I have made over the last 15 years of fighting against slot machines and the casino gambling in our state. Folks, if you've traveled any and seen the states that have the slot machines and the predatory gambling that hurts so many people, you realize that's not good for a community. It's not good for anything. It, 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 it breeds corruption and it brings other sins and failures and all of that. And as I look back over 15 years of battling against it, there hasn't been a single time that I could say, boy, we really stepped up and stopped it then, didn't we? Not a time. Every time we did what we could, which was not much, but God stepped in. I I sometimes feel like the the bug on the elephant's back. And and, and when the elephant walked across the bridge and got to the other side, the bug said to the elephant in his ear, boy, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? (laughs) 
Hey, with God, all things are possible. That's why we can't live in discouragement. We have to take what we have and we give it to God. We do what we can. We stand for truth. We preach the word of God and we watch God step in and do a mighty work. One of the the amazing stories in the Bible to me is the story of Naaman. Uh, Naaman is the captain of the host of Syria. I mean, mean, he's the king of Syria's general over his armies. Uh, The Bible says that he was a man of valor. And yet he had leprosy. Now think about that. That that, that would be equivalent to a a disease today that had absolutely no treatment or cure. Leprosy had had no treatment. It had no cure. Leprosy, uh, because it was contagious, uh, the individual would be separated from their family and separated from the place of worship. They'd be separated from the people. Naaman is a mighty man of valor, but that means nothing. He has leprosy. I mean, when you hear in those days the priests say, you're a leper. I mean, life as you know it is ended. A little girl who was a captive from Israel working for Naaman's wife. A little girl, a little maid of Israel. Here's what she said. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, talking about Naaman, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. I don't know any other place Elijah cured anybody of their leprosy. I I, I don't know of any word. Where in the world did this little gal get this idea? It was believing in God and the man of God. That's all it was. And she gave a testimony of the greatness and the power of God. And she said, if he just knew the man of God... He would cure him. You know the story. Naaman goes down there and he's got a rotten attitude. He told him, he said, go, go, go down to the Jordan and dip yourself seven times. He said, why would you go down there? That's a dirty place. Why can't I go over here? And that's what many people are doing today. Rather than just doing simply what God says by faith, we argue and say there's a better way. I got news for you, Laman. It, uh, it wasn't the it wasn't the water uh, that you dipped yourself in that cured you anyway. It was the God that put the water in the stream that made it flow. That's the one. So you see, it's not my talent. It's not my ability. It's not my strength. It's not my power. It's not my giving. It's God. God is the power of all of that. I ask you today, what have you given God to bless? How many of you have heard of the prayer of Jabez? Raise your hand. You've heard the prayer of Jabez. There was a book about the prayer of Jabez, and he prayed that God would enlarge his borders. You know what God did? He enlarged his borders. You know why that story is in the Bible? Because of Jabez having the faith to pray the prayer. It's not a matter of who Jabez was. It was a matter of who Jabez's God was. It wasn't even a matter of his prayer. It was a matter of his faith in God. It wasn't who he was. It was what he put in God's hand to bless. And dear friend, if God's going to bless our life in battle uh, uh, or or bless our life in in, in the areas of of blessing, uh, if he's going to bless our life in the area of belief, we have to give him something to bless. 
God doesn't answer prayers we don't pray. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Chronicles 16, 9. I'm almost finished. Almost finished doesn't really mean anything, but it sounds encouraging. <laughs> 2 Chronicles 16, 9. That's what the dentist said to me about three hours before he finished. I'm almost finished. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Look at this. Get a hold of this. Let it be in your heart and your mind. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. You ask me, preacher, can we? My answer is no. Can we build the next building? No. Can we continue the work of the ministry of the camp and of the bus ministry and the college and, 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 and of the victory in Jesus? Can we? No. But I tell you what we can do. We can give what we have to God. And God can. Amen. He has. He is. Let's never come to the place that we take the blessings of God and pat ourselves on the back and say, look what we did. We're no smarter than the bug on the elephant's back. God's looking for those who just heart is perfect toward him to say, God, I believe you can. So keep believing. Keep doing what God gives you the opportunity to do. Put something in God's hand for him to bless. And I love it when God steps in. Stand with me, if you will. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven when you die, I do not want you to die in your condition and go to a devil's hell. I want you to receive and to know for sure that heaven is your home. In just a moment, he's going to sing the invitation song. And when he does, you're not sure about your eternity. You ought to step out of your seat and come to the altar down here. There'll be both men and ladies here with Bible in hand, and they'll show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure Christ is your Savior and heaven is your home. It's not complicated. It's as easy as receiving a gift, for that's what he calls eternal life, the gift of God. You're here this morning, you're a child of God. Think about the message this morning and just look to see what have you put in God's hands. If I were a young man, you know what I would do? If I were a young lady, I wouldn't look to see what I have to give him. I'd give him me. I'd give him everything. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we come to decision time. I look at all of these stories and then I look at our own lives and I see how many times that what we did seemed so small, so insignificant. That night of prayer, that early morning rising and spending time in prayer and God watching you step in. God, it's a wonderful thing to serve such a great God. Help us this morning to be convinced that we need to put what we have 
in your hand. Bless our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.